A good story is kind of like life. Hey, sweetie. Hi. Maybe that's why there are so many. Henry and Peter, they're lucky to have you. Your father's lucky to have you, too. Stepfather. Stories about good and evil. Glenn, I know what you've done. Stories about the human spirit. Mr. Sickleman is the police commissioner. Well, this story is about my mom and the girl next door. That's all that matters. The Book of Henry. You like it, the juice? You like it, the juice? Fuck, you did it too early. I wasn't ready. I, I have my can. Wait a minute. Look at that. I like the juice, too. No, I needed that juice. I don't juice. like this juice. No, I needed that juice. I was, like, sitting here with, with two cans for, like, the last ten minutes. Like, oh, I, I really thirsty. I should open this. Damn it, I gotta wait for the podcast. Otherwise, I'm gonna have two open cans. I specifically got this can of ginger ale for the podcast. <clears throat> Alright, well, welcome to Saturday Night Jive, where we talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live related movies. This week, we are talking the Bobby Moynihan, Sarah Silverman classic from 2017, The Book of Henry. Uh, you know, this Henry character, I'm watching this movie, and he's just so hip and cool, and every time he's not on screen, I'm thinking, where's Henry? <laughs> Oh, is that what you meant by your Poochie the Dog comment? Yes, he's Poochie the Dog because he's like the ultimate self-insert like Mary Sue character. He's perfect in every way and he sucks and I hate him. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't understand your comparison to Poochie. Um, but yeah, before we get into it, because I do, I do want to go by this movie kind of like in order. So without like spoiling any twists, because I've seen this before. I saw it when it came out. This is my um, first what time are your general, Yeah, g- general thoughts. So you did not like the book. Okay, I did not like it. But here's here's what I will say. Uh, I had a sort of like a, a version of what I had with Pumpkin a little bit where if I believed that I think I, I thought these the people behind this movie knew what they were doing, I would maybe enjoy it or see where it was what it was going where it was going. But I don't like pumpkin. I, I by the end of it, I went. Oh, I think they knew what they were doing. I think they were doing this on purpose, and so I appreciate it. Here, I don't think they really understood what they were doing. I think the stuff I might have appreciated was accidental. Like, because apparently Colin Trevorrow, the original script for this was like a dark comedy, and he changed it into this weird fucking whatever it is. And I feel like the yeah. dark comedy version of this might have worked, like if they were self-aware yeah. as to what, like how, how fucked up this story is. But it's they're just not. Yeah, um, I mean, we'll get into it, but I think the plot of the Book of Henry is just not good. I, I like, I don't like the way the story unfolds. But the biggest problem is just the tone. Um, yeah, the direction in this is off. But I enjoyed the first half of this movie more the second time, knowing that the twist was coming. Um, because when that halfway through this movie, it turns into a completely different movie. Um. And I, I kind of liked that this time, knowing it was coming. Because the first half of this movie is just kind of jaunty fun. Uh, you know, we're making inventions, we're building tree houses. And then it's hard cut into <laughs> murder from beyond the grave. See, and I feel like it's almost like two different movies wedged together. And I probably would have enjoyed either of those movies separately. Either the the kid who is a precocious, smart kid who, like, runs his whole family, then he dies, and then it's like, what do we do now? And then he leaves behind notes, but in this case, it wouldn't be notes telling you to kill your neighbor, it would be just notes on how to live. Like, a sweet little story like that would have been fine. Or, my kid dies, and he he had this plot to kill our neighbor because, you know, he knew about the molestation or whatever, And but, like, it would, it would be dark from the beginning, and it would, you know, like, that story might have worked, too, separately, but you put them together, and neither of them work. Yeah, well, that's exactly how I felt. It's two different ideas, and I think the germ of the ideas is fine. The first half of the movie and the second half of the movie, but they don't they don't handle it well in either half. Because the first half of the movie is very problematic. Because I couldn't help think thinking about um, you know the well being of these children. Um, we'll get into it, but their family dynamic is never explained, and it, it's a Curly Sue situation where I'm like, I, I don't trust Naomi Watts with these children. Like, some someone should step in here. And then the second half of the movie isn't handled well because why is Naomi Watts following along with this plot? Is there something wrong with her? Well, that's that's the thing. I because clearly the movie is aware of Naomi Watts's character's negligence as a mother. 
but doesn't want to hold her really accountable for that. Or again, much like Curly Sue, it, it it's weird. But I guess I, Curly Sue, I can kind of imagine that John Hughes maybe was just in like a Frank Capra mode and didn't really understand the the implications of that relationship. Whereas in this one, like she's clearly like not doing like living up to her obligations as a caregiver. And that's, I, I, that, I, on some level, it's required for the story to work the way it does, but not nearly to the extent that they do it. She doesn't need to be this childlike and just incapable of handling her finances at all, to the point where, like, she's talking to her boss, and her boss is like, you know, yeah, we can set up direct deposit or whatever, and it's like, oh, you gotta talk to my 11-year-old son about that. And he, he even expressed, like, the fact that he expresses confusion at that moment means the, uh, the, the author of this script, the story, understood that it was weird. But like that, that makes that you have to deal with that. You have to deal with what that says about that character, and the movie doesn't. Yeah, because it seems to take place in this weird, like, fantasy universe where all of these actions are perfectly normal and okay. Uh, but then it doesn't because there are people like Bobby Moynihan who kind of like are grounded in the real world. Um, yeah, th- this movie is just uh, a, a fucking mess. And was like, oh, and then at the end of the movie, Naomi Watts. Spoiler, but she's adopting another child. How's she going to fucking take care of these kids now? That's you'd think the the adoption process <laughs> would have like 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 a social worker would come to the house and go like, you know how to do your finances, right? And she'd be like, no, my dead eleven year old son always did that shit for me. <laughs> you haven't paid the mortgage in three years. Oh fuck. Henry forgot to tell me how to pay my bills. See, and like that's that's a story too. Like, because in real life, there are like kids that are way more responsible than their parents and like almost run the household. Like, that's a real thing, I'm sure. Like, you could tell that story too, but it can't be whimsical. Like, that's a problem. That's a thing where like, you know, you have to deal, again, deal with the ramifications of your story. And that's a running thing with a lot of movies we watch where they just, they don't. They understand the problem, but they don't want to deal with the problem, so they just pretend that it's not a problem. Yeah, uh, like in I Am Sam, people were trying to take the the kid away from Sean Penn. But in this movie, people are like, Naomi Watts should have more children. Even though I think she's probably more developmentally challenged than Sean Penn's character. And the fact that we're already comparing I Am Sam to this in favorable (laughs) terms to that film (laughs) already says something about the Book of Henry. I know. I wish we could watch I Am Sam. That would be a good one to watch for the podcast. And were you at all resentful as I was of the like the weird like Rube Goldberg aesthetic, which adds literally fucking nothing to the movie? Like they keep cutting to these wacky machines, and then it's like, what was any of that for? It's like a Chekhov's gun that fires when the actual gun doesn't fire. But I I don't understand. Uh, I I don't want to spoil. Any, I don't want to spoil anything. So let's first get into it. Book of Henry, uh, we open with uh, the little kid from It and St. Vincent, Jaden Lieberhaber. Um, I feel like you Henry. made that name up because you didn't want to look it up. <laughs> I, th- I don't know how to pronounce it, but that's kind of how it's spelled. Um, and he is like the most gifted uh, child you'll ever meet. Uh, we're introduced to him giving a book report. Um, and the the kid who goes before him is like, I did a book report on... Ham and Eggs goes to the movies. It was A+. Plus. And then okay. Henry gets up, gives his report. You're underselling it. Like, you, well, yeah, she, he gives his report, and the teacher literally asks him, like, why aren't you in special classes? Like, you should probably know this. Like, you're the teacher. And he's like, yeah, because I want to... What does he say? Like, the socialization is better if I don't... Whatever, I forget what he says. Yeah, it's, it's better for his psyche to be in a school of, uh, you know, normal, intelligent kids. Whereas I wonder if that's him rationalizing, like, I want to be a big fish in a small pond so that, like, I don't have to worry about school so because I, I have to worry about my fucking family. Yeah. Um, and so Henry is gifted, um, but he's not like he's insanely gifted. Um, he not only pays all of the bills, does all of the finances, but he's investing in stocks and bonds. Well, uh, we he knows enough about later. brain tumors to be a medical doctor. Yeah. Uh, we find out later that he has invested uh, the amount of like $600,000 uh, in a savings account for Naomi Watts. Um, so they're they're rich. She works a you know dead end job as a waitress, but for somehow she's able to afford this house. It's because Henry's fucking, I guess, a magic with numbers. It's, Naomi Watts. 
I don't know where to start with this because we got to talk about the family dynamic here. So it's Henry Gifted Child, Jacob Tremblay Younger Child. He's just a normal kid. And then Naomi Watts is the mother. She is late picking them up from school constantly. Uh, She just comes home and plays video games and drinks. Henry takes care of all the bills, finances, chores, everything. And we never get any, like, backstory as to what is going on here. And here's the thing. And before, I guess you don't want to spoil it, but I do want to, before we get to this, you mentioned the book report that he's giving in the beginning. It's not a book report. It's a report, uh, and it's literally on the board, My Legacy, which is like... That's right. Which, the, the stupidest, laziest foreshadowing I've ever seen in a fucking movie, where it's like, hey, kids, why don't you do a report on what you think uh, your your impact on the world will be after you're dead? Because, like, that, I mean, that's not going to come up for any of you because you're kids and you're going to live a long life. All of you will. You'll live long lives. But let's let's just imagine what would happen <laughs> and do a report on that. Did, did you ever do a report like that when you were a kid? Did they ever go like, hey, let's talk about how you think the world should think of you, your life after your death? No. Fuck no. This... This is how my children will think of me after I'm dead and buried. Oh, man. But no, uh, but yeah, the, the family dynamic, because this is where I was thinking, like, if this movie were more self-aware as to what it was doing, because in a weird way, I mentioned, like, Henry's sort of like a Mary Sue character. He's this sort of perfect insert, like, he's, he's, he's like, like, you wanted to be this kid when you were a kid. You wanted to be this smart and precocious and everything. And I feel like this is almost like, like a deconstruction of that idea, like what if he existed in the real world? Like he would kind of ruin his, everyone else's lives. Like his mom's kind of stunted because he does everything for her because he can do everything. You know, it's sort of like a, almost like a commentary on that, except I don't think that's on purpose. I think that's just an accident. Yeah, were you curious at all as to like why they're like this? Because I was, and the movie never gives any hints as to why their family runs like this. I was curious as to like, what came first? Did she realize her son was a genius and said, I will put you in charge of all the bills. Or did he start doing the bills? And she's like, this works out great. He will be, I will put my child in charge. What could go wrong? What I read into it was, because remember the the father is absent. I'm assuming the father either left or died. I don't know if they say one way or the other. Uh, There's just a one brief uh, mention where um, she says, uh, she talks about the guy who knocked her up and left her alone with two kids. So yeah, I guess the dad skated out on him. So my assumption is prior to this, the dad took responsibility for a lot of that stuff or the, the, and then he left and she was just never equipped to deal with it and never thought she'd have to be. And at the same time, her, her incredibly gifted, precocious son just took responsibility because he had to because there was a vacuum of anybody taking responsibility. And then as a result of that, she never had to kind of grow up and, and, you know, take that responsibility. So she never learned how. So it just sort of spiraled out from circumstances. But none of that is right. covered. That's just my headcanon. Yeah. And I, I know we know that Henry is obviously a gifted genius child. But do we like really know that? And when did she, like, actually know that? Because you don't just put your kid in charge of the bills and go, he says he's a genius. Well, but it, it, when you say she put him in charge of it, I would assume he took charge of it, that, that <clears throat> the bills weren't getting paid, and then he sort of figured out a way to do it, you know, he because like, she wasn't doing it. So she comes home one day and she's like, oh, wait, who paid the electric bill? Henry, did you do this? Okay, that's going to be your job now. I'm going to go play some Halo. Well, I mean, I I can kind of see, uh, again, just a person like the Naomi Watts character who is just used to deferring responsibility to everyone else in her life to the point where she will let herself be guided by the disembodied voice of her dead son to try to murder a man later on. She, <laughs> This is that kind of person. She's just used to doing that. So the fact that she would do that to her own kids, it's child abuse, but it's perfectly in keeping with her character. I, I kind of believe that based on everything we see about her. Yeah, I... I don't know, man. I I did not know what to think about Naomi Watts in this movie. I think she's doing a good job. Well, the problem is the movie's not a good actress. The movie is not appropriately judging her for her actions. It's still treating her as if she's a good mother, even though she's clearly not. Yeah, um, it's a, along our way of introducing all our characters. We're also introduced to Dean Norris, who is uh, the neighbor and the police commissioner, and his daughter who it seems like we're setting up as a love interest for Henry. Um, but that doesn't pan out for 
obvious reasons, which we'll find out later. Um, See, I didn't pick up on that at all because I, I read that later on after the, I watched it. I read the description and, and yeah, it said that, you know, she he, a girl he has a crush on. But like, I just took it as he sees her as a victim because he knows what's happening to her. And like, so he's trying to protect her. I didn't really see a romantic angle to it. Well, it's, Naomi Watts has a line where she says, oh, that's my future daughter-in-law. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't see anything from the actual Henry character from that other than concern for her welfare. Yeah, no, it doesn't really get into that because um, it kind of jumps straight into Henry kind of notices something off about her and um, uh, suspects uh, abuse by her father, uh, which also it kind of seems like that he's suspected this for a while because uh, he does kind of jump to that conclusion. Um, but she's not like she doesn't have bruises on it. So am I wrong in thinking it was it's it's sexual molestation? Oh, I think it's almost definitely that because I later on when Naomi Watts sees it out of the window, she like the her expression I think implies that because I don't think if it, if he was just punching her, I mean I guess it would still be shocking, but I think what she was seeing was sexual molestation. I know. I want, let's let's jump to that scene like real real quick while we're on this subject because. Um, Later on in the movie, yeah, Dean Norris is abusing his daughter. They they don't get too specific with it. But Naomi Watts looks out her window into the girl's uh, bedroom, sees her just like sitting on the the floor, and we just see the lights uh, turn off. And then we just cut to Naomi Watts's face, and she's screaming. It's it's almost uh, reminiscent of George C. Scott in Hardcore, you know, seeing the porno with his daughter. Like yeah. she's just ah ah. So like. Is Dean Norris just like diddling his daughter right in front of the window with the lights on? Yeah, it didn't occur is that to what, me. Is that yeah. what's happening? Well, and and I guess <laughs> he's it, like, better make sure the lights are on and the windows are open for this. And I want to go to the next part of that scene where she calls their house. And earlier, he, she he like complained like, "Oh, your your dead leaves are getting on my lawn." She's like, "Yeah, I'll take care of it." And she calls him, and she just tries to come up with some reason. She says like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to take care of those leaves for you." But clearly she's calling him to distract him. So the implication being is like, I'm diddling my daughter in front of the window. But then the neighbor called me about the leaves and I forgot and I stopped. (laughs) Yeah, the diddling must not be too good if he can be distracted by a phone call. But that is also established later on. We will find out Dean Norris will walk out in the woods with a gun if he hears a whistle. Yes, he is extremely easily distracted by random things. (laughs) Like Dean Norris, he hears a dog barking down the street and he's like, what was that? Wakes up, goes running. As we're trying to establish the side characters, uh, I want to talk about uh, Sarah Silverman a little bit. because (laughs) Sarah Silverman and her boobs? Well, she has her boobs with a tattoo on them, which they had to like, that had to be a thing. She obviously doesn't have that tattoo in real life. They had to draw that tattoo... So I guess that's a character thing that she would have that, but I think it's just to draw attention to her boobs, because the first line she has in the movie is, hey, I've got boobs. And, like, she has this whole character thread where, like, she's an alcoholic, and, like, they like they find her at one point, she's, like, waking up outside her house on a park bench or something, and, and then she just disappears in the movie completely, and it's like, what was the fucking point of any of that? Yeah, uh, Sarah Silverman, she's, like, the, uh... The boozy, brassy, fun-loving friend of Naomi Watts, who also works as a waitress. And, uh, yeah, she doesn't add much of anything to the movie, except she's just someone that Naomi Watts can talk to. And they treat her exploits like they're hilarious. When she's, they're waking her up, she's passed out on, like, wicker furniture in the park. And she's like, what? And they're like, let's get you home. Well, and there was a point in the movie, and I... Because of just how fucking balls out crazy this movie was up to that point, and how much I knew it was going to go crazy later on, she comes to to Henry when he's in the hospital, and she kisses him on the lips. And part of me was like, "Is this going to go further than this? Is this going to be like a like a situation where she's like, I'm going to show this kid a good time before the end?" <laughs> like, it didn't go this to that. Kid needs but... to see a. T- this kid needs to see a tattooed titty before he croaks. Like, I was waiting for that, because she kisses him on the fucking lips! What is that about? But yeah. yeah, and then they, like, they reconcile their relationship, Henry and Sarah Silverman. But they didn't have a fucking relationship in the movie, but they have this scene where they're, he's like, I'm sorry for everything I've said, I do like you, you're a nice person. And she's like, oh, I love you too, Henry. 
Yeah, and it, it's that's the thing. The the poor construction of this film because it's not a poorly made film, like visually, like it's shot well enough. It's it it's totally inconsistent, but. In each individual section, when it's trying to establish tone, it's doing what it seems to be setting out to do. It's just that it, on a larger macro level, the tones don't sync up well. But like the first half, where it's trying to be this jaunty kind of thing, it's doing all the things in terms of visual language to accomplish that. And in the second, where it's trying to be a thriller, it's doing all the things in terms of visual language to accomplish that. It's It knows how filmmaking works, is my point. But it just doesn't know how storytelling and character work, which is a I guess a separate division of the of the industry that they they yeah. they didn't work with. Well, and we'll get to the, the the midway point of this movie where it's just like drastic tone shift. But the first time I watched this movie when it came out, that's what like flipped me out the most is I was just like I was not prepared for what this movie has become. Watching it this time, I almost kind of appreciated the tone shift because knowing what was coming up made all the bizarre, like, the wacky invention stuff, uh, you know, when uh, Henry's displaying all of his uh, smarts in this precocious manner, it made that seem, like, stand out more as, like, just absurd world-building. And I think maybe it was intentional that they were doing that just so it would hit harder. But, yeah, when it hits, the, that twist, it's just like, whoa, what, what are you doing here? The thing about this movie is it's set up as like a wholesome thing. And I mean, even even when it gets dark, it's ultimately set up to to have be a lesson about, you know, redemption, kind of. But you all you have to do is tack on like a, like a post credit sequence where it turns out that Henry faked his death. And this is the prequel to the Saw movies. He grew up to be Jigsaw. <laughs> Like, you have all the, the crazy oh. contraptions, you have the compelling people to murder from beyond the grave, you know, it like, this all fits together. Oh, yeah, we will get into it. But Henry is not just a precocious genius, he is straight-up fucking psychopath! Um, where do we go? Okay, uh, I, I do want to talk about Bobby Moynihan briefly, because he's the reason we're watching this movie. Um, yeah, when Bobby Moynihan, who plays Naomi Watts' boss, is like, hey... I can set you up with direct deposit so, you know, your paychecks go directly into your account. And then Naomi Watts is like, yeah, I got to talk to Henry about that. And he's like, what? What the fuck? I think that was my favorite moment in the movie is just Bobby Moynihan's reaction to that. Especially because, like, you and I both have a job. I assume you have direct deposit as well as I do. It wasn't that hard. You just you just gave me your, your bank account information. They set it up. Like, I, I don't know. How, like, I, I don't know how irresponsible you would have to be. To not be able to do that. <laughs> well, and I'm surprised Henry hasn't set that up already. What? So he's uh, going to the bank and depositing Naomi Watts' paycheck every week? Yeah, you Because, yeah, you know, she's not going to get off her ass and do it. Well, and maybe he's more focused on the stocks. Like, I guess because he doesn't seem to really care about her waitress job. Because he even says, like, you don't have to do it anymore. And later on, Bobby Moynihan's like, hey, I got this letter from your dead fucking son saying you don't have to work here anymore. <laughs> So wait, now that we're on the subject, so yeah, where where is all the money coming from? Because Naomi Watts works as a waitress, so she can't be making a whole lot of money. You know, maybe the house is paid for, but there would still be property tax and stuff. So I guess Henry's just taking care of all this, not telling Naomi Watts, and she's just using her like, she's probably using her waitress and tip money as just her regular spending money. Well, I'm assuming that it all goes to the same bank account. Henry has access to the bank account in order to do the finances. He's been secretly squirreling away money, donating or not donating, um, investing it in stocks. You know, expanding on that investment, and that's why it's up to like six hundred thousand dollars or something. Yeah, uh, that all makes perfect all right. sense to me. I don't know why you're confused at all that this eleven-year-old <laughs> is a master at the stock market. <laughs> well, then why isn't he telling her though? Like, why is he keeping it a secret? See, but that makes sense to me, too, because she's so irresponsible. If she knew it, she'd just buy more that's video true. games. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if she knew she... <laughs> that would be a good ending. <laughs> if she's like, all right, $600,000, we can live like kings. Because remember, he there's a scene where he's keeping track of it, and he's like, oh, I saw this this uh, expense for whatever it was, you know, $100 at some place. And she's like, oh, that was a bouncy house for that birthday party. So it's like, I don't think she's ever spent anything, you know, like, res- responsibly in her life. Probably. <clears throat> yeah, and it's just, it's so bizarre that <laughs> that's acceptable in this universe, in this movie. You know, the movie's not telling us that she's uh, she's a bad parent. 
Well, because the, the weirdest thing, and I, I I keep jumping around where I know you want to go more linear with this for obvious reasons, but like by the end, the ultimate lesson is like, no, you're a child and I'm the parent and I have the final say. And it's like, yeah, but you've never earned that. Whereas he kind of did. <laughs> like he's established even beyond the grave that, you know, in all of this pro- process, he knows the right thing to do. And you never have. Like you should have taken the shot, bitch. Yeah. Um, and, and there's even one point where Naomi Watts says to Henry, you should just be like a normal kid. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a good lesson. But if he was like a normal kid, you, you'd never pay the fucking bills. That's the thing. She's too much of a kid to make that demand. And that's why she's making it, because she doesn't understand that, no, there needs to be at least one adult in the house. She thinks that's her. And I think that's maybe part of the reason why she keeps the waitress job, because that's how she can justify, like, no, I'm taking charge. I'm a mom. I go to work every day. And the fact that she doesn't even have to, because, like, her kid's even taking care of that, like, it's more of a psychological thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, we're almost to the twist, I think, because the only th- real thing we have to talk about is uh, Henry is really getting deep into this Dean Norris thing. He confronts the school principal. Principal says they've already investigated this before. It led to a dead end. They're not going to reopen the case. Um, he calls Child Protective Services, but they won't do anything. He finds out that uh, the guy running Child Protective Services is related to Dean Norris. So there's this cover up. Nothing's ever going to get done. So Henry, we don't know what he's doing quite yet, but he starts crafting some kind of plot. Well, because that, that um, scene you know. where, where he talks to the, the principal, it's like the scene in a cop movie where the cop wants to investigate the big muckety-muck and the police chief's like, no, you can't do that. He's too connected. Right. Give me your badge, Henry. Yeah. But it's in a fucking You're school 11 and he's badge. 11 years old. Yeah, no, he's he's screaming at the principal like, what are you going to do? You're not going to do anything. Uh, everybody knows this is happening. You're all just not doing anything. Um, but yeah, so now we, we just see like, and it's fucking jaunty music. We're, we're still in kind of like this kind of friendly family, um, well, I call it, I call it Mrs. Doubtfire music. It's Michael Giacchino score. Um, who's one of my favorite composers. He did the, he did the music for up. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's decent movie music but we're seeing henry going he's walking across a bridge he's looking in the woods he's investigating guns he's uh checking out books on crime scenes so we don't know what he's doing but it's probably not a murder plot right well and here's the thing are we supposed to assume that he was planning on enacting this himself and then when he realized he couldn't that's when he altered the plan to to do it by proxy with the, the recordings and everything because it doesn't seem like he had nearly enough time to make that shift. Or was he always planning on doing, like, because it almost feels like, because, like, it almost feels like when she finds the tapes later on, it wasn't like I knew this specific thing was happening to me where this would be posthumous. It's almost like, just in case I happen to, to die, here's my plan. And I started thinking, like, was he going to kill himself? Well, I, I I think he was making those tapes while he was in the hospital. It just so I think like he was, was this was his like backup plan. Well, the the tape, if you noticed, um, I noticed that at the end, the tape was labeled Plan C. Oh, okay. So yeah, I guess Plan A would have been him doing it and covering it up. I don't know what Plan B would have been, but then this is Plan C. Right. Plan B. <laughs> plan B was a terrible plan. It involved, uh, you know, just giving Dean Norris a diuretic and just having him shit himself to death. No, plan B was pinning it all on Bobby Moynihan. (laughs) Um, Just have Sarah Silverman smother Dean Norris with her tits. Um, Okay, so now, so Henry's got this little plot going on. But then, like, bing, bang, boom, hard cut. Henry starts having fucking seizures, and he is just, like, in the goddamn hospital. And was that set up at all? Like, did I miss hints to that before, like, the big moment? Nope. When I saw the movie the first time, it came out of nowhere, and it came out of nowhere this time, too. They don't, re- they don't set up that anything's wrong with him. Henry just has these, like, seizures. He passes out. And then he's in a hospital, and the doctor says he has a brain tumor. And now the first time I saw this movie, I thought we were going for, oh, the brain tumor is causing his genius. I was thinking that as well, like like a phenomenon thing. 
Yeah, and it's going to be one of those like, okay, well, we can cut the brain tumor out, but you won't be as smart. So then there'd be. So then I thought, oh, the book of Henry is going to be him teaching Naomi Watts how to fucking be a mom and take care of the family. And that would be um, a great story because we'll get into what you it get is. the you get the the same structure, and then at the end, it's like he gets to be a kid again. He he didn't know even what he was missing, and you know, like that that would have been a great story. Yeah, that's um. That's uh, what I was saying. The The germs of the idea work because this movie, the first half of this movie, if they would have taken it in that direction, I, I think it would have been a good movie. The second half of this movie, if they would have taken that in a different direction, I think it would have been a good movie. But 50 minutes into this movie, Henry is dead and he is straight up fucking dead as shit. And I will say... Because like we talk about how smart he is, this was the one point. Like I can suspend my disbelief. Everything, every expression of intelligence that he has in this movie, up until he starts literally like like being a better doctor than the doctor, where he's talking to Lee Pace and he's like, "Yeah, I know exactly what kind of tumor I have based on my own symptoms." Right. And it's like, "Fuck you! You did not read those medical textbooks. You would have had no reason." I get how you can like learn how to do your do finances. You know, because you're that smart. But no, you you don't just happen to know what a fucking brain tumor works, how, how that works. Right. Yeah, why did he read that medical textbook that had that, you know, very rare and obscure brain tumor that he has? Because up to that, everything else he does that reflects hyper-knowledge is stuff that he would have been in the course to learn, or at least he's a kid. So, like, doing the wacky adventures, that's shit kids would do. You know, it all makes sense, right. or at least it all tracks logically. That's the one point where it's like, it doesn't make any fucking sense why he would know that. Yeah, well, like, he has to research how to buy a gun, so we see him going to a gun shop, but no, he just knows, like, the complete fucking Dr. John's medical journal off the top of his head, and he's like, oh, it was that kind of brain tumor that I have. Why didn't I think of it before? Yeah. I'm so smart, but not smart enough to know my own brain tumor. (laughs) But yeah, then he fucking dies. Yeah, then he's uh, fucking dead. Uh, and, and we still have like 50 minutes left of movie. So what's going to happen? Um, it, it could The story could be about Naomi Watts dealing with the fact that her uh, genius 11-year-old son who took care of all the shit is now gone. So what's she going to do? Apparently, she's just going to give Jacob Tremblay a box of donuts and send him off to school. Yeah, and, and I don't think there was nearly enough of that, of just the... Oh, that's right. Not only is he dead, but like now I don't know how to pay my own bills. You know, like you should you should see that element of it. Like, you know, yeah, on top of, yeah, he's going to tell me to kill people like, oh, the electric turns off because I forgot to do that. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been good because Bobby Moynihan gives her a letter. What happened? Henry sent Bobby Moynihan a letter uh, basically explaining all of their finances because I guess Naomi Watts would have been too stupid to understand it. So she needs to hear it from Bobby Moynihan. Well, that's I wanted that to end with like, yeah, he sent me this letter and he said you need time off because you're going to murder your neighbor because he's molesting his his daughter. So I guess maybe you should go do that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, because it's not too long after Henry's dead that... Um, we discover the titular Book of Henry. And what the Book of Henry is, is just a, a step-by-step manual on how to murder Dean Norris. And the fact, just the way they reveal it to me, it flabbergasted me. Because, I and I knew the twist going in because you spoiled it for me many years ago when we talked about this. But, like, you'd think, and my, my thinking would be that she would be reading the book... And at first, it's all the stuff about the finances and everything else. And then it gets to the part where it's like, this is the real reason I wrote this. And you would have like a slow burn of it where she's like, what are you trying to tell me, Henry? What is this all about? And then you see the shocked expression on her face. Oh, my God, you want me to kill my neighbor? No, that's not how they do it. Jacob Tremblay, the other kid, just runs in and goes, hey, Mom, Henry wanted us to kill Dean Norris. (laughs) Yeah, because he reads the book first, and then they're reading the book together, and it's like we're making a little joke of this, because Naomi Watts is like, oh, um, no, we can't murder Dean Norris, we have to call Child Protection Services, and then they turn the page, and it's written, why calling Child Protective Services is not a valid option, and then she's like, oh, 
Well, there's got to be another way to help Christina. And then they turn the page. Why, there's no other way to help Christina. So they're making little jokes about this Book of Henry that, again, is a detailed plot of murder. Yes, I know it's to murder a child molester, but still... Well, that, it's murder. That goes on for the whole movie. Like the the only real source of levity after this point is she discovers that I think because Henry was like, she's not going to read this book. I'm going to do the audiobook version of it because she's that stupid. I know my own mother. Uh, and so she gives, <laughs> she finds the tape and she's listening to it. And he's like, he's so smart that he anticipated everything she would say in response to the tape. And so he's, like, almost talking to her from beyond the grave and, like, disputing her shit. And, like, that's the jokes for the rest of the movie is, like, no, I can't shoot Dinos. Yes, you can, Mom. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, again, to set this up. So, Book of Henry details how to murder Dean Norris. Naomi Watts is like, yeah, sure. I'll go along with this plan. She's like, TLDR. Tape recorder, <laughs> tape recorder in the safe. Uh, Henry, before he was uh, killed by a brain tumor... Killed by a brain tumor. <laughs> like it had a gun. Dude, if they'd revealed in the, like, there's a scene where Naomi Watts confronts Dean Norris. If they had, re- at this point, the movie had been so crazy. If they'd revealed that he somehow gave him the brain tumor, like, <laughs> like I would have, I mean, it would have made sense to me in the context of this world and how crazy it was. Yeah, so now Naomi Watts has a tape recorder and, and she's got headphones in where she's hearing Henry take her through step by step. And it's, the tape is so detailed that it's like the, it's out, like the scene in the Matrix where, where Morpheus is leading Keanu Reeves through the, the office. And it's like, no, turn left here. <laughs> yeah, it's like any heist movie where the guy's sitting at the thing and he's like, okay, the bad guys are coming behind you, you know, turn left. He starts with saying like, okay, mom, take uh, $500 out of your, uh, out of this ATM and then go to another ATM to get another $500 out. That way you can, uh, you know, take more money out than the the, the limit, the bank's limit. Um, okay, go to the ATM, turn left, and then Naomi Watts turns right, and you hear Henry go, no, your other left. So Henry somehow anticipated that Naomi Watts would turn the wrong fucking way outside of the ATM. What happened if she listened to the whole tape right down there in the basement where she found it? I mean, I would. Well, that's there's a moment like that where... Uh, she's shooting and like she she doesn't follow the tape and he like says something that like he anticipated like like look at that grouping which he didn't actually shoot that much like so like it is like clearly there is a way to just like lose track of it but it doesn't matter because he's that smart so he even anticipated that I guess yeah so I'm wondering if maybe at the beginning of the tape he was like okay mom here's the tape this is how you murder Dean Norris. Um, you know, don't listen to it all right now or else it won't make sense because I anticipated you doing some swearing and then I said, like, don't swear, Mom. So that's not going to make sense if you're just listening to this while you're reading a cup of coffee. You know, you know, pause it here, go to bed, wake up tomorrow morning, press play, and just leave me on for an hour while you walk to the gun shop. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, but that's the thing. Once you get to this point of the movie, pretty much everything after Henry dies questioning the logic of it seems like a fool's game (laughs) because it's like you can't i mean at premise level it's so ridiculous and i'm almost it's almost boring honestly like how like because like it's like the way they're they're presenting it visually the way they're making the movie it's just like i guess we're just making a thriller now so we'll just do though do that like it's it's almost weird how not interesting it is as it plays out despite how crazy the premise is well, because it it doesn't seem like there's any more stakes, um, because Naomi Watts is just going along with this plan, and she never questions it. And it's like, okay, well, what ha- if she murders Dean Norris? Fine. I mean, he's a child molester, so he can be murdered. If she doesn't murder Dean Norris, I guess that's fine too. Well, I, I don't. They try to make really that care. a thing. They, by the end, that's the that's when I said it was kind of about redemption. I don't think it pulls it off. I don't think it's credible, but. The idea that she ultimately doesn't pull the trigger and like her realization is like, no, you're still just a kid. This was a plot created by a kid. But it's like, I don't know that that is, again, I don't think it's earned and I don't think it really even works with how the story was set up up to that point. No, it's we, we spent an hour setting up this precocious little genius kid. And then the last hour of the movie is his mom enacting ghost murder. Like, it, <laughs> It's, 
I don't think that story can work. Like, no matter, I mean, the, like I said, this movie has tone problems, but I just, that story, the way it's told, I, I don't think you can tell that story. Well, no, I think if you did this, like, P.S. I Love You, where it's like a dead husband leaving notes rather than a dead son, and it's like the very beginning he dies, and it's like a thriller from the beginning, and this woman is following this plan, and you don't know where the plan's coming from, and then that's a reveal maybe a half hour in that she's following a posthumous plan from her dead husband to get revenge on their murderer. Like, that that's the way this story works. This, the way it's yeah, here, or maybe, doesn't work. Or maybe if we didn't know... <laughs> the book of Henry was murder right away. Like, it was just like, these are my last wishes, you know? And so Naomi Watts is doing all this stuff. Henry's throwing in other things, like, you know, he's, uh, you know, giving a sandwich to a homeless man or something that he passed by, you know, some good deeds. But then interspersed, it's like, buy a gun? Why am I buying a gun? Well, Henry says, buy a gun, oh, you mean I'll she buy a gun. doesn't even realize she's on a murder plot until halfway through. <clears throat> yeah, and then eventually she like, hey... <laughs> Maybe I'll maybe I'll turn the page to the end and see what the the final thing Henry wanted me to do shoot Dean Norris in the face. See the dark. Well, I've already came this far. The dark comedy version of this story, where like that, like it's it's commenting on how dumb this Naomi Watts character is that she wouldn't realize until like the last minute, like oh he wants me to kill Dean Norris. That I think would have worked for me if the movie was self aware enough and how dumb it was. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So now I. Uh, <laughs> Naomi Watts is all on board for murder. Um, she uh, plots it. And then we're, we go to a school talent show um, where I guess that's her alibi. And also, like, so here's the uh, the final plan. You know, we got the, she had to get the gun and everything. You know, he told her how to pay for that so it couldn't be traced to her. But the plan is just, mom, take a sniper rifle, go to my treehouse, Put a uh, walkie-talkie in the woods and make a bird whistle. Dean Norris will obviously go, What's that? Bird whistle in the woods? Better go check it out. And then he'll walk out to the woods and you shoot him in the head. I'm not a genius. But I feel like I could have come up with that plan. Not only that, but I feel like the the evidence left behind... Because like you say, oh, she has an alibi. She was at the the place. But you could also say, well, like she had time during the course of that performance to drive back and forth. And like they would be able to figure out like the trajectory of the bullet would come from the treehouse on your property. And you know, like, it, I don't think it's an adequate cover up even. And, and it's like, why was this walkie talkie here? Or did you have to go? Would you have to go back and get the walkie talkie? In which case, are you leaving footprints behind? This is like far from a foolproof plan. Yeah. For such a fucking genius, this murder is kind of sloppy. Because, yeah, he's just going to get shot in the head, so I guess they could say it's, you know, he was in the woods, you know, so maybe they're going to blame it on a hunting accident. But I feel like if this is the police commissioner basically executed in the woods with a walkie-talkie next to him, I think they're going to go, well, this looks a little suspicious. I mean, especially when you could have been like, I, I, I spied on Dean Norris for months and I, I figured out his routine. Because I guess you would still have to to figure out that he would he would walk out of his house if he hears a bird whistle. You could have been like, he gets his food at the deli, this deli, every fucking Wednesday. We can poison it, and then he'll die of that, and nobody will figure out where the poison came from. Like, easier, right there. Yeah. No, just, the, the plan is just shoot a guy in the face. Um, but, oh my god. Um, Did they already also establish, like, why Dean Norris wouldn't be at the recital to watch his own daughter's performance? Yeah, no, that's true. Why isn't he there? Because, like, it's not like he's doing anything else. He's just sitting in his house waiting for birds to whistle outside of his door. Yeah. <laughs> they just show Dean Norris sitting behind a desk, like, opening mail. But then he's like, what's that? Better go out in the woods. Yeah, I don't know why the fuck he goes out in the woods. But so Naomi Watts has the sniper rifle on Dean Norris. But she's in um, Henry's treehouse, which we showed at the beginning. And he's got all these kind of, like, Rube Goldberg devices and she accidentally kicks something that sets it off. So, you know, she's she's getting ready to take the shot. She's got Henry's voice in her ear going, Take the shot, Mom. Do it now. So I guess Henry also anticipated that she'd hesitate. Also, how does Henry know the exact timing? Well, I guess they do have a timed watch. But still, how can he time Dean Norris's mo movements? It makes no sense. Anyway, the Rube Goldberg device goes off. And it just makes pictures of Henry and Jacob Tremblay fall down. Which... 
just distracts Naomi Watts for a second, and then she just decides not to murder when she sees pictures of her kids. See, and what I expected to happen in this moment was that the voice would be like, yeah, I didn't want you to shoot Dean Norris after all. I just wanted to put you through this weird fucking thing, this psychodrama, <laughs> to remind you what's important, and then you'll take more responsibility <laughs> as a mother. Because <laughs> like, it seems like it had to be on purpose. Like, why else would you build that machine? I wasn't plotting murder. I just wanted you to uh, have Dean Norris in your sights with your finger on the trigger while you look at my baby pictures. But the plot is so dumb and convoluted up to this point that if that, again, it would fit in the structure of it. Right. Um, Yeah, no, and so that Rube Goldberg device, I guess, is just there (laughs) to be an elaborate machine that will make pictures fall down from the ceiling yeah i just I, so you can <laughs> i don't understand any other reason for it to exist other than to be a very specific reminder at a pivotal moment <laughs> yeah uh it's kind of like the uh rick moranis inventions and in honey i blew up the kid <laughs> like, hey uh is looking at pictures too complicated what if i made this rube goldberg does <laughs> What if I made this Rube Goldberg contraption that would make them fall from the ceiling? A marble goes down here and it looks like mousetrap. And then you don't have to pick the pictures up with your hands anymore. Yeah, I just... And and I don't think the movie even did enough of that to justify that as a thing that then becomes a plot point. Like, you see him do it like two other times in the movie. I feel like that needed to be more of a thing. Yeah. Um, But anyway, these pictures, they distract Naomi Watts just enough so she can go, Wait! Wow, I went a little crazy with this whole murdering Dean Norris because my dead son told me to plan. I gotta take a chill pill. So she just walks out of the treehouse and confronts Dean Norris and basically just says, like, I know what you did. Henry's been documenting you this whole time. And I'm calling the cops. The cops that we've already established won't do anything. But I guess Dean Norris is so scared now that he shoots himself in the head. Well, no, that this is the crazy part of that. They, cause, and I, I missed this on, on the first viewing, and then I reread the synopsis on Wikipedia, and then I kind of went back. Apparently, the principal called, like, uh, like, this night, like, she was inspired. I guess there must be a scene that I missed where she was inspired by the girls dancing to call social services after all. And so, like, when he, because, like, Dean Norris then calls his brother and is like, hey, I got this problem. And Dean Norris's brother at the, the social service office is like, yeah, you do got a problem. We got a call. They've already started an investigation. So she called, like, maybe an hour ago. They've, they've already started an investigation. Then you hear the sirens in the distance. The cops are already coming for Dean Norris. Because I guess in the course of the last hour, they've finished their investigation, figured out he's a pedophile. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, no, I've got to shoot myself. Yeah, I, I have no idea what they have on Dean Norris except allegations at this point because these allegations aren't new. He, apparently, he's already been through this multiple times. Like, they've already been like, hey, someone has said Dean Norris is diddling his daughter. We better investigate. Oh, we didn't find anything. And he's also the police commissioner. He can walk. But apparently, a, a call from the principal, which I didn't see either. I did not see that scene. But yeah, it, they send they send the fucking cop cars to his house. And he's just like, that's it. They got me. There's no way I'm going to wrangle myself out of this one bullet to the brain. So yeah, it only makes sense if it's like any even cursory investigation will invariably find obvious evidence of my crimes, therefore my only way out. It's like the 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 uh, warden at the end of Shawshank. Like, yeah, you can kind of believe that like any cops come a knocking, there's no way they're not going to notice the shit. But this isn't that situation. I feel like he's got the cover up pretty much well handled up to that point. It's only a shabby way of letting Naomi uh, Watts' character off the hook. So she doesn't have to be a murderer at the end. Yeah, and but I, there's I don't see any. They didn't show any evidence against Dean Norris. I mean, we obviously know he did it, but like there needed to be some kind of pictures or video or something that Henry had hidden somewhere or something. But I, yeah, I have no idea how to make this murder plot of the movie work. Well, and that's the other thing we've already established that Dean Norris. Fucking uh, diddles his girl, his uh, his uh, stepdaughter, right in front of the window. So why don't you just set up a camera, get it on film, and then say, "Hey, I've got visual evidence of him molesting his daughter. They cannot deny this." Yeah, or just invite the uh, you know the district attorney over for tea, and then just say, "Oh, hey, have you seen my uh, dead son's bedroom? 
It's got a good view of Dean Norris's daughter's bedroom. It seems like, I mean, yeah, on one level, he's using his power to cover things up. On another level, he's just woefully uh, lax in his judgment in terms of the cover-up itself. Um, yeah, nobody's really a genius in this movie, even though some are, you know, proposed to be. Um, but yeah, Book of Henry, I, man, it's, it's a weird movie. Um, but yeah, I didn't get much out of it. The first time I saw it, I was just, I was blown away by where this story goes. If you don't know anything about the Book of Henry, well, we already spoiled everything for you. Well, that's the thing. But I think that's the best way to watch it is like, go into this movie just look at the poster. Um, did you watch the trailer for I this? I did not, know. The, the trailer actually does give away the murder angle of it. The, the whole Dean Norris plot. But they make it seem like Henry's still alive. They show a clip of Henry talking in a walkie-talkie while Naomi Watts is hearing the, you know, take the shot mom. So, you know, they make it look like Henry didn't die in the middle of the movie. But, but also the trailer makes it look like it's the first half of the movie where it's all heartwarming, family-friendly. Well, that's the thing, because watching this movie, and again, I knew the twist going in, so yeah, maybe I, it didn't impact me as much, and I, I, I do kind of feel bad that I didn't, that I wasn't surprised by it. I feel like I would have gotten more out of it. But other than that, there's nothing interesting about it as a film. Again, it's mostly competently made in, in terms of what it is set out to do, and it's, yes, it's poorly written, I mean, it's, it's poorly constructed as a story, but... Not in a way that's like particularly interesting beyond the shock of that that one twist. Yeah, um, but yeah, that that's why the movie worked for me the first time because like Henry dies and I'm like, wait, what? They killed Henry in the Book of Henry, and then they find the Book of Henry, and I'm like, wait, the Book of Henry is murder? <laughs> and then Naomi Watts is gonna murder Dean Norris with her dead son's voice in her ears, and she's like. Cool. See, Sounds like a plan. It starts out as a fairly standard kind of movie, and then it it hinges on this escalating series of increasingly preposterous twists and turns. And it, yeah, and and if any of those are spoiled for you going in, as we just did for the last fucking fifty minutes, then none of them really work or have the effect. But at the same time, the effect is just to make you hate the movie more because it's like, what? No, that's so dumb. Like, you still get that from watching it, even if you know the twist going in. Oh, this is dumb. This is dumb. You just have a better handle on it. You're more prepared for it being dumb. It's 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 maybe more effective in that sense if you don't know the twist, but it's only effective at pissing you off more. Yeah. Uh, and this, we didn't mention, this is Colin Trevorrow, the director of Safety Not Guaranteed, which was my favorite movie of 2012. I was very excited to see The Book of Henry because I was such a fan of that movie. Um, and then he also directed Jurassic World, which I, I was a fan of the first one. I hated the sequel, which he'd also directed. But yeah, it was this movie, when this movie came out, was like the same week he got fired from uh, Star Wars. So this is also the movie that kind of killed our chances to see Colin Trevorrow's Star Wars. See, and I, I had a different uh, anticipation, anticipated reaction. I, I was not a, a big, big fan of Safety Not Guaranteed, and I, I kind of hated Jurassic World. In fact, I think I liked the sequel better just because it was crazier. Like the, the the fact that they turned it into a haunted house movie in the in the second half is just so fucking weird for a Jurassic Park movie, uh. But but yeah, I just I I don't know. I feel like had I seen the trailer for this, whether it was I don't know if there was a version of it, of the trailer that gave away the twist and one that didn't. But regardless of which what I would have known going in, I don't know that I would have been excited to see this movie. It just feels like the kind of movie that like the kind of movie that goes by that I never would bother seeing like deep into the ocean. Like I've never seen that and I'm never going to see it. <laughs> like what, you know, it just seems like something like that. Well, I, I, I love Naomi Watts. Naomi Watts is one of my favorite actresses. So I was on board for that. Colin Trevorrow excited me. And then Jacob Tremblay, this was like the year after room. So I was like, Oh, that kid from room is in it too. Um, but yeah, no, this movie, uh, yeah. Other than just being flabbergasted by how weird it is. It's not really worth checking out. And I was surprised by um, how shitty Jacob Tremblay was in this because I've liked him even since then. You know, he's also he, he did Good Boys after that, and he was in he was really good in. Uh, I don't know if you saw Doctor Sleep. Yeah, he was good in that. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a good little actor. He's a good um, actor in everything but this. I think I, I, this is the only one where I've seen him in something where I was like, "Ooh, he was like he felt like just a normal kid actor," which is to say, shitty. Oh no, I thought he was fine in this movie. I mean, he's just the younger brother. He's supposed to be like you know. 
he's comparable to like Jonathan Lipnicki and Jerry Maguire, but I think he served that role fine or really well. Actually, I liked him. I liked Naomi Watts. I actually liked the acting in this movie. Um, So I, it's, it's just a bad movie, but like we've been saying, they know how to make films. Everybody here is good at their jobs. They're just doing something completely misguided. Yeah. That's, it's the thing. It's it. And it's weird that like that that's a thing like everybody can be on can be doing their best, but if it's just bad on premise level, but then you wonder like who what was it was it Colin Trevor who was it that was like yeah this is a good idea, let's let's all of us do give it our all to make this movie. Yeah, um, yeah. With so many talented people, you, I'm wondering like where the interest was like was it the script and people were like ah this script is hot we got to get attached to this or it was probably a lot of colin trevorrow too he was hot um but anyway that's the book of henry let's move on to next week i am rolling a random number generator now and we will pick what snl star we will be covering number 50 is the number i rolled and number 50 is a whitney brown so we'll be passing on that every fucking time it's like every episode of the show Whoa. we watch has racism and blackface in it and every time we roll this goddamn thing it's a, it's a cast member that we have to skip it's the weird traditions uh, of also show. also be skipping number 60 that's jim downey god <laughs> not robert downey jim downey um but number 78 is phil hartman oh that probably works i think we probably have some phil hartman stuff we haven't covered I was going to say, are there any Phil Hartman movies? I mean, I guess we could always watch an episode of SNL. Uh, CB4? Um, Small Soldiers, Stuart Saves His Family, The Page Master. Uh, I'll watch myself some Page Master. So I Married an Axe Murderer, CB4, Loaded Weapon 1, and that's all. Blind Date. The Brave Little Toaster. Oh, well, okay, between the Page Master and the Brave Little Toaster, both of them are really weird artifacts of 90s animation. Which do you think would make for a better podcast? It's got to be the Brave Little Toaster, right? Because I feel like that could possibly be a good movie. Whereas the Page um, Master is also going to be a bad movie. The Brave Little Toaster is not a good movie. <laughs> I watched it not too long ago. I watched it a couple, like maybe ten years ago, and I was like, "I like this shit." As I was when I was a kid. Well, it's also got John Lovitz in it, so we can save it for that. <clears throat> I believe he plays the radio, doesn't um, he? Yeah, John Lovitz plays the radio. Phil Hartman plays uh, the air conditioner, I believe. Um, but I would definitely watch the Brave Little Toaster. I don't know. I'm... My favorite part of that movie was just like, it's a toaster, and this kid's like. <laughs> It's much. It's like Toy Story, but with toaster. See, I'm more inclined to say Page Master just because it's. I think it's weirder, and it's also going to be bad. And that's a thing we have to do. For, we have to account for on our podcast. We watch bad movies. All right, and and um, it's just. And I haven't seen it since Page I was Master, a kid. And the Page Master is only 75 minutes long, so I'm down for that. All right. I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to to crush your dreams of watching the brave little toaster again if that's more amenable to you i'll watch either no i'll do uh i'll do the page master i i never saw the page master i don't know what it's about i remember the commercials when i was a kid i have a vague recollection of seeing it but i think i might have like seen bits and pieces on tv i may not have seen the whole movie all right so tentatively we'll be doing the page master um (laughs) i'll check it this might be one where i'll like check it out like tomorrow i'll like see what it's like and if i get 20 minutes and think it sucks i'll text you sure i guess but seeing <laughs> seeing as how it's only 75 minutes i i guess uh oh. i can i guess i can hang for 75 minutes of anything by the way we forgot to say merry christmas everybody We're recording this on christmas eve I, that, that's not when it'll be out but uh no <laughs> this will be like the second or the first week of january uh all right so yeah the page master or possibly the brave little toaster but Page master tentatively, and that is all I got. That's, Anything? Any other things? Uh, nope. To that's, say about Book of Henry? That's all our business on the shed. I think. All right. Well, until we see you again, get off. Get the shed. off the shed. Tell me, tell me, tell me, who wrote the book of love? 
Who wrote the book of love?